This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We are back with the penultimate episode of this season's Oak Road Hatter podcast. It's been a brilliant season. We have momentum, but unfortunately, it all ends on Saturday. Today, we will look back on our entertaining 0-0 draw with Rotherham. We will host the Oak Road Hatter Awards, all before previewing the final game away to QPR, a game which we would have all liked to have gone to. And we'll start, Stephen, with the game last night. Massive occasion for Rotherham. But we also had the eyes of Derby and Sheffield Wednesday looking down on us. So how do you think that all panned out? Um, I believe that probably both teams would have thought or would have been quite happy with that. Because if Sheffield, uh, sorry, if Rotherham draw and either one of those teams win on Saturday, they're staying up. So they're probably quite happy with it. And if, if uh, Rotherham draw again and there's a draw between those two teams, Derby stay up. So I think all parties are probably going into the, into the weekend feeling very nervous, probably quite confident that their fate is in their own hands. It's really, well, yeah, everyone, each of them have got to rely on one of the other teams and they've all got it in their own hands as well. So, yeah, it's, it's the same going all the way around for each of those three teams, really. Yeah, and given our ambitions that we are sort of the only mid-table side that are looking to... Well, probably we're the only side that are actually caring about finishing as high as possible. So from a Rotherham perspective, were we one of the more difficult tests they could have had last night? I don't think so. I think every game has been a difficult test for them, really. And I'd say that we're not the only team that are looking to finish as high as possible because QPR are in horrible form going into January. And they've now, they're now probably one of the more informed teams in the league, like, you know, probably in the top five, six teams that have been informed this, this uh, calendar year. So I wouldn't say that we're the only team that are caring about how high we finish, considering that QPR were, I mean, I think we all thought at one point they were going to go down. So 
Uh, yes, and yeah, again, I'd say Rotherham, but uh, our game, Rotherham playing us probably wasn't uh, their biggest test yet, but I thought we could have gone out there and looked a little bit like the same way as what Blackburn did to us last year, where they just didn't care. They just played with like all the confidence in the world and tried to win, which is something that I was hoping that we were going to do last night, but we didn't. And as I introduced it, I said it was an entertaining nil-nil because it was. They were both sides should have scored at least two each, both creating some very clear cut opportunities. Adebayo was a handful all night. Keenan Dewsbury Hall was again sublime. And I think I've been quite harsh with him this season because I, I've I've said how good he is, but at the same time, I've just said we haven't been relying on him. We haven't with him and out the side, it's not been a big change, but I'd noticed yesterday how brilliant he actually is. Oh yeah, he is. He is brilliant. And I think I, I said it as well that he, I think I've said a few times that he's not the best player we've ever had in like the last 20 years and all that. Um, but he did look brilliant again last night and, it, you know, it's probably putting on a show for his last Kenilworth Road game. So it was, it was good to see him in good form again. And it was just disappointing that we couldn't have made anything of it really. And it was equally sad that we haven't seen Kin and Dewsbury Hall in a Luton shirt this year. At Ken- well, did you? You did. I, I, I saw him twice. You saw him. You lucky man. But I know. Yeah, even, even, even I, I, you know, I saw Glenn Rain uh, hitching earlier today, and he uh, he was surprised that I even got to go into like both of those games. So I'm one of the one of the really lucky ones that got to see both games, but and um, see Glenn Ray as well in Hitchin. Oh yeah. <laughs> You're getting yeah. all the luck today. But uh, sort of moving on to what the point meant, it means that we've confirmed a top 12 finish, which is such an outstanding achievement. We could still finish as high as ninth, but that would take us beating QPR 5-0 and relying on Middlesbrough and Millwall not to better our score, basic, well, not to equal our score, actually. So finishing 12th is well, finishing in the top 12, sorry, is just such a brilliant achievement from NJ, from the club and just to us fans as well. Well, yeah, uh, again, that's, that's something that um, Glenn said earlier. He um, he was saying that it's absolutely brilliant how well we've done this season and, you know, we all we all can see it. We all, we're all happy with it because it's so mental to me that last, this time last year we were going into the last game of the season with our fate in our hands, if we win, we stay up. If we don't, we could go down. If we lose, we go down definitely. And this season, it's in our it's in our hands to finish higher than twelfth now. And that's it. That's that, that's you know twelfth is the highest, the lowest we can fin- we can finish. And we it's in our hands to uh, get a higher finish, which is just absolutely mental. Like it's, it, I think I've said this before. Like it's so hard to fathom that look, we've just gone from fighting for safety to fighting for a top 10 finish. Yeah, it, it truly has been incredible. And another another thing about this season is, does it mask the fact that next season could, e- could equally be a relegation fight again? Could we see that happening? Or have we built something this year that we can only build on, build on from is sort of, surviving the first step of next next year or is that something you don't see a problem at all now i 
I think in this division, I'll always go into it worried because who would have thought that Derby would be down there at the bottom of the table? I mean, we all thought Wickham would be, and they've they've made a late push and they, you know, nearly could have stayed up, which they're all but down now. They'd need a 20-goal swing to stay up if it goes, yeah. So um, it's, I just... It's it's always going to be in the back of my mind that we could easily get relegated from this league, no matter what happens. We could we could have a great team and end up fighting for, for the safety until the last game of the season. But we could also do a, a Barnsley, and we could be in the top six. So difficult to measure, isn't it? It's very difficult so, to to know actually. Even our plans, we don't know what Nathan is thinking. Is is or Nathan in that sort of survival frame of mind? Is that the first objective? Then the sort of the overarching objective being finishing as high as possible, like we have this year. It's a lot of different factors will come into play, starting with who will go out, who will go down this year. Because if Rotherham stay up, then you'd like to think that's six points that we should should be getting next year. No team should ever get points from another team in, in all honesty. You said that about Wickham, so I'll, that's what I'm saying. You said that about Wickham both times. Of course. Um, I think I think the way to see it is that I think if uh, if Colo remains at the club and, and Adebayo stays, which is, there's no chance he's going to leave unless a Premier League club's, club comes in with 5 million or 10 million for him, then I don't think the club would say no. But say say they're both here next season. You've got Adebayo, who a full season, he's on course to hit 10 goals. He's, he's got five goals this season so far. Colo's got 10 goals in him each season. That's 20 goals there, which will be important. And that's just from two strikers. If Harry gets his shooting boots back on next season, I, I think we can be confident that we will have you know, almost no chance of getting relegated. And you've got to think about the defence as well. Say, say the recruitment for better clubs in the league are, are not as good and they haven't got, you know, strikers that can score whenever they want, like Tony has sort of done this season, then we can we can hope that we're not going to concede too many next season. So uh, Jones has, has done that this season. He's, he stopped us from conceding so many goals and he's got Colo with 10 goals. You know, it was sort of part of Collar getting ten goals last season and then this season as well. So those those are the good qualities to look at. We're not conceding as many as what we did, and we're scoring. Our, our strikers are scoring a fair amount, which they're the two qualities you can sort of look at and say we've got a good chance of staying up. But as I said, there's no guarantee. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And then we'll move on to the main part of this evening, and that is the awards. We thought that the best way to do this was to start with the best permanent signing, because I think if we went just signing, I think we all know who will scoop that award. So in your mind, Stephen, who who ranks who ranks highest in the best signing that we've made this year? Either January or the summer. It's such a hard question because the three the three names that come come to mind is is Adebayo, Clark, and Naismith. 
and they've all they've all done different things. So it's so hard to think about. Uh, for for me, it's those three definitely, and I can't think of even even Lockyer. But I think even without Lockyer, we we probably would have been okay. So I I, I think it's those three that are in in the top three, and I just my mind wants to go towards Adbio. I think is a long-term signing. Like, Naismith is a utility player. He's going to be with us next season, I, I, I pray, because he's so good. Clark as well. I think he's, you know, going to be a bit more like, if say we get another winger or someone in that sort of plays like his sort of position, he might end up being a bit more like Moncur was, a bit more of an impact sub. So I think Adebayo for the future, for the goals that he scored this season and... Yeah, I think I think to, for me personally, he's signing of the season. Yeah, because obviously Adebayo's made such an impact in front of goal. Naismith has just been so solid. He's so comfortable on the ball. You trust him in possession all the time. Clark as well, the attacking threat he possesses is just something else. Given that he was a signing from Accrington Stanley on a free. He's just been an incredible asset to the team. I mean, he's he's sort of sprung like kind of no surprises in all honesty because he was the player that created the most chances per 90 last season, I think it was, in League One. And I was thinking there's no reason why he can't carry that on into the championship, whether obviously he's not the players that have created the most chances, but he's he's scored important goals and he's, he's created an important chance and he's just... He just does important things, which sometimes I guess go unnoticed. And I, I'm not surprised with how good he's been. I think obviously part of me is a little bit surprised because he was so small, and you would have thought for a championship player you'd have to be a bit taller, a bit stronger. But he's he's sort of half and half. Like he's sprung over surprises, but it's also surprising how good he is as well. Yeah, and. The other one you mentioned, you said those three, and then you said Lockyer sort of just lagging behind. But I think that's just got to be down to the big chunk of the season he's missed because for me, he was well on the way to winning that award because it's it's not just his aerial presence, his physical presence, his tough tackling abilities. It's him pushing forward as well. The amount of times he's sort of come from that right centre-back position, putting balls into the box... And he didn't get too much time to play with Adebayo, but imagine that combination now with Lockyer yeah. pushing forward and that sort of searching ball to the back post. And he brings an attacking threat as well from a central defensive position, which is quite rare in a championship player. Yeah, and that's that's why I think, as you said, like if he'd if he'd stayed fit for the whole season, he probably would have been the player to get that award. So. As you said, he's he's done a lot of good stuff this season, and there's there's no reason why if he was fit that he wouldn't have got the player of the season for us anyway. Because it's been three months now. I think it was the sort of mid February he was injured, and he's missed everything since then. And it's just it's a bit nervy. And then that's testament to Naismith as well. Yeah, yeah. Which shows you know he's come in and he's had to play almost every position so is Clark and those two that I think that's why they definitely above Lockyer for me because they both come in and play defensive positions and they 
they've they've kind of filled in for what we were missing we've, we've been missing with uh, Lockyer. And we'll move straight on now to the most improved player. And when we were younger, we both know what this award means. No one really wanted the most improved player because its connotations were not too hey, great. I, I won that in a Sunday league team once. So did I, and I wasn't happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. For I this, was happy. It was, my, it was my first award other than the participating award, so I was happy. <laughs> it's, it's two ways to look at it. But, yeah, um, in terms of our team this year, and but by no means is this a bad award to win in the in the context sorry of, of Luton because these players actually have been brilliant this year but I put I'm going to put Sluger into the poll because of the way he started last year constantly making mistakes I know he had a very good sort of back end of the season his form sort of coincided with Jones's arrival also going to put who else should we put in there Tony Cliff because, again, he was sort of a player that we wouldn't have missed if he went last year. He was getting quite a lot of criticism, but he's come in in the right moments. Yet, again, I'm not too sure if he has a future at the club, but he has come in, scored some vital goals and put some really good performances in as well. And the last one, I know you're not going to be too happy with this one, but Dan Potts, because... Again, another player that didn't really have too great of a season last year. And again, he's, he has been in and out of the side this year, but when he has been in and been playing as a left-back, not a left-wing back, as we saw yesterday, he's been very solid from a defensive point of view. So out of those three, where would you go? I mean, you, you've consigned me to three players, so it's going to have to... Oh, yeah, I, you, I was can, trying you to bring to, some was... more in. You can bring some more in. Any that I forgot, of course. I mean, I think I want to put both Bradley and Pierce. I've said Pearson's not a championship quality defender, but every now and again, he just has a gate, a quality game where he looks good. And then Pierce, uh, Bradley, he's, I think last season, he looked lost under Graham Jones. And then this season, I think we were all a bit worried that he, I think, well, not all of us, but I think there's quite a few of us that were worried that he wasn't up to the standard of the championship as well. And he's come in and been silently, probably, one of the most important players. He, again, has a few mistakes in him, as all players do. But I think he, he's, I'd, I'd put him towards, uh, towards this uh, award because I think a lot of people didn't expect him to be as solid as what he was this year. But at the same time, you could also say you would expect that under Jones because he was solid under Jones before he left. So, yeah, adding to that because yeah, I do agree with that. Thirty-one goals we've had thirty-one goals fewer we've conceded this year with those two who have pretty much played the majority of games. I know Lockie had played a big chunk of them as well, but Bradley and Pearson have probably played half the games. And that's yeah. a credit to them that we have conceded that much fewer goals. They've both obviously improved. And yeah, I, I, I put, I, I don't know, if I was, had to choose one, I would put Bradley because yeah, Pearson, for me, I'm still scared when he gets the ball. <laughs> like I, I, Even when we won League One, I was still scared when he got the ball. And that's just that's what I was going to say. Go away. When, we're in, when we're in League One, I remember finishing the season and thinking, I don't think either of those 
central defenders are championship quality. And Bradley has stepped up to the mark slowly, but surely. And to think think back on it, it's like I remember thinking like we need to get someone else in other than those two because Bradley's pace, I think, was what worried me the most because this it's a fast league. And so that's that's I think I'd personally it, for me it's gonna be Tunnicliffe or Bradley. Wow. Well, I was not again. Tunnicliffe has been silent, but good. Like he's, he's kind of not done too much bad, not done too much amazing, but he's he's been. He's, I mean, he's been in most of the games. He he starts consistently and he he gets on the pitch consistently, which I think surprises a lot of us. But at the same time, I can't think of too much he's done wrong. There's a few times where obviously been upset with him but I think everyone gets upset with everyone at some point so I think you know talking about I'm, I'm just to say Bradley because I think the stuff that I've said about him is just he's come into it and he's he's held his own now and yeah I'd say he's probably the most improved player that's fair enough but I'm going to disagree I'm going to go with Sluger I know that he his sort of resurgence started at the end of last season but this year, I think he has been incredible and he's been a big part of why we've conceded so few goals. I think what he brings in terms of his, his just his speed, his speed to react to what's going on in front of him is just something I didn't really see last year. He's a brilliant shot stopper. He's kicking, he's getting so much better. If I was a, if I was a top-end championship club, lower league, Premier League side, I would be looking at him. Yeah, I can't. I can't disagree with that really, but I'm obviously going to stick with my uh, my opinion. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll I'll let you have that one. But we'll move on to the big one, the goal of the season. And I know this is very difficult because it's so difficult to rack up your mind. But there's obviously a few contenders with this one. We've got Collins against Watford. Obviously, the circumstances just made that option probably the, the easiest one to go for yeah we scored some worldies too though we've had Moncur and Luar Luar both against Wickham away we had Collins against Barnsley on the opening game of the season uh Pelly Ruddock's goal against Wickham in the home leg home leg what well, I'm, I'm talking as if it's the playoffs home fixture sorry um we've got Moncur's effort against Norwich which you were lucky enough to be at which is good for you. Dewsbury Hall against Bristol City as well, which was the winner. And I've tried to narrow it down because it is so difficult to cast your mind back to some of the games, but I don't think there's many more past that that could be in the shout, but you might remember a couple more. I'm trying to think. I think there was there was one against Preston, one of Colo's goals against oh, Preston. Oh, was a really good team Preston. move. I think that was... Probably could have been up there. But I mean, there's actually one that uh I'm trying to think of who it was actually. That who I think it was it was Adebayo that scored the um the the winner against Sheffield Wednesday, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh I think that's that's gonna be up there as well. Yeah. Just because that that game meant a lot at the time because we were getting we were getting worried. We were looking behind us and thinking we could easily drop down if we don't pick up points. And 
uh, 2-0 to Wednesday, it was just like, well, that's it. We're, we're dropping down into a, a relegation scrap. And then that second half, and out of bio, I just, yeah, I think it's got to be up there. Because there's two ways to look at it, isn't there? It's either looking at the sort of the, from an aesthetic point of view, some of the goals we scored, like Luar Luar is probably up there with the best against Wickham. But in terms of meaning, then we've got obviously that Adebayo goal you're talking about and obviously the Watford goal as well. The, the context of that as well with Collins coming on. Yeah. Scoring the way he did. It's just... If he'd, if he'd scored that little volley away at, away at that yellow lot, then I think that would have been goal of the season. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, if we would have gone on to win that as well, I think that would have definitely been up there. But yeah, as I say, there's been so Actually, many goals and we haven't scored that many. This should, I think we should add a uh, the best goals that never were as well, because you've got those, what, three corners that Dewsbury Hall has now scored <laughs> that have all been ruled out, which is ridiculous to me. Where would we be if those decisions had been given to us? Being with a playoff playoff chance, wouldn't well, we? I don't, I don't know if it's a playoff <laughs> chance, because I think they were in games that we won anyway. But yeah. Well, last night, last night's an extra two points. And then we've got the Middlesbrough one where Colin slipped. Because that, <laughs> that happened yesterday where the Rotherham player slipped. Lewis Wing slipped, taking a free kick, hit both his feet. Sluger palmed it away for a corner and it was a corner. They didn't pull it back. So why is Colin? Because you, I think you are allowed to pass yourself from a free kick, are you not? Because you can, oh, yeah? you can, you can flick. Do you not remember um, in the Premier League back in like 2010 or something when, um, was it Jimmy Bullock? No, it wasn't Jimmy Bullock. Someone flicked um, a ball up from, from a free kick spot and volleyed it in from themselves. Like they, they flicked it up for themselves and volleyed it in. Yeah. And that was allowed to be a goal because he didn't like kick it further than like one metre or something. I think that's the rule. Oh, wow. I might be wrong. But I know that that goal stood and and everyone was complaining about it, but it was within the rule book that he was allowed to do it. So, oh well, yeah, it's news to me. But at the same time, yeah, if um, if Stephen's chatting a pile of rubbish, let us know. <laughs> and if I am, also let us know. <laughs> but we'll we'll go. Well, we'll have to narrow it down. We'll have to give our our view on that. So, what is your view? What is your favourite goal of the season? Putting you on the spot. <sighs> I, it's controversial, but I'm going to go with, with the, the Adebayo goal against Wednesday. It's, you know, it was just one of those goals that just meant everything. And I just, yeah, I, I think that was my favourite goal. I'm not going to say it's the best goal of the season, but it's definitely my favourite goal. And then after that, it's it's got to be the, the Colo penalty against that yellow lot. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Colo goal. Just, yeah, as I said before, the context of it coming on, just not knowing that he's going to come on and take a penalty and just jogging over as calm as you could be, sliding it past. Who was it? Backman in goal for that? It wasn't, yeah. wasn't Foster. Unfortunately, not Foster, which was really upsetting. <laughs> but we'll move on to the play of the year, which is obviously the biggest one that the accolade that everyone wants. Everyone wants to be the Oak Road Hatter player of the season. I hope that whoever we say might retweet this, but 
you know, we'll get into it. We'll, um, there's a few contenders, sort of the, the signings that we've mentioned have all sort of have made a case for themselves. But for me, there's only one winner, and that's Kean and Dewsbury Hall. I really disagree with it. I think we've, we've discussed all the players that are up there, really, and said why they're up there. So, I mean, he's he has been like I'm I'm not on the the same wavelength that he is the best player we've had at the club in so long because there have been players that have been very very good and and they've you know I I just wouldn't say that Keenan Dewsbury Hall is the best out of all the good players we've had in like the last fifteen years. But this season, he has looked a different level to our team. So I think he has, he's got to win it easily enough. Because it's not just him and the signings. There's also, I think, Pelly Ruddock, again, has had a decent enough season to be considered a contender. Yes. He won it last year, didn't he, Pelly? I believe so. So, yeah, he's, he's followed that up with a, another good season. Still some inconsistencies, but at the same time, he's been brilliant next to Dewsbury Hall. And we've, we've dominated the midfield in the majority of games we've played, which is incredible for a team, for a team like Luton. Team like Luton. <laughs> but at the same time, we don't know whether we'll get Dewsbury Hall back next season. He has been incredible. We don't know what will happen with him. Will he go straight into the Leicester squad? Will he join a lower sort of Premier League side? Will he go to a higher end championship club? Will we get the luxury of getting him back? But I'd hope if Leicester let him go to a championship club, they wouldn't let him go to anyone else but us. But what about a team that's fighting for automatic promotion that have them, that ambitions that can pay more of his wages? Well, I, I again, I just hope that that Leicester would be nice about it, considering that they probably don't need a team to pay all of his wages. Obviously, it's a good business decision, but I, I just hope that if they're going to send him back, and he wants to come back, he said it as well. So, and the way the way that him and Jones are relationship wise as well I I couldn't I just couldn't see him going anywhere else unless he I mean he's not going to say something like what um Reese Norrington Davies did but if I was if I was Jews Hall as well I don't think I'd probably want to go to another championship club just in case you get there and you get put on the bench for half like say you're in a it's like Izzy Brown like he, he was with Leeds challenging for promotion but he wasn't in the team all the time. Obviously, he's got in. He's an injury-prone player as well, but he wasn't in the squad like all the time, and he wasn't one of their better players. And I think what with Dewsbury Hall as well, and with so many players that we've seen, and I don't know if this is me being biased, but there seems to be such a special bond at Luton. Players seem to love it when they come to Luton, and then they all seem exactly. so close. And it's I don't know if that's an environment Jones creates or. Players like Pelly Ruddock, who we know is, well, everyone speaks brilliantly of Pelly Ruddock and what, well, not just as a footballer, but as a person and sort of welcoming people in. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, that's why he's a legend of the club, because he's, he's the sort of player that 
you're going to want to be friends with in the squad and he'll welcome them and he's brilliant to play alongside and I think Ossie Jones helps to create a good atmosphere as well because he knows how to manage a team. He knows what to say in press conferences that doesn't upset fans or, you know, sometimes doesn't upset fans and doesn't um, upset the team either. They've all got confidence in him and he's got confidence in them. And, you know, it's it's something that they all create and the way the players talk about like as well as the fans as well, like with with how uh, the guys that we've had on as well, they've spoke about the club. They they talk about the fans. Like every club that has been at Luton and at Luton currently, just say about the fans mostly because we are we we are just a brilliant fan club. Like pat ourselves it's, on it's the so, back. It's, <laughs> it's so it's so hard to describe to people that are either not Luton fans or not fans, uh, not football fans, but we just have got this special bond with the club and and the team and. Even when things are bad, it's still good for the club because of us. And it helps and... that fans run the club as well. That's exactly exactly it's just what we need as a football club and what what football needs as well. You see the likes of exactly. Manchester United, and that's all they want. They want fans running their club. They want someone who has Manchester United at the best interest, which obviously we do under 2020 and Gary Sweet. So yeah, it's it's special what we've got. But we'll go back to Dewsbury Hall and yeah. <laughs> one of the one of the interesting developments of this week. And I don't know, was it last week? I think it was last week, but the championship team of the season came out. I don't know if I was expecting him to be in there, but I wouldn't have been surprised if he was included. But then looking at who they did include, it was Alex Moat, Michael Elise. And Emmy, uh, can't even say his name. Emmy Buendia. So, yeah, could you argue a case with Dewsbury Hall in that context, or is he rightfully left out? I think uh, it's hard to say rightfully left out. I think he there was there should have been room for him in in that squad, but at the same time, it's hard to discredit all the players you just said because. Also, Elise has attracted a lot of attention from from clubs in Europe, let alone just in Eng- in England. And Moa as well has been has been incredible. He's, he's you know it's been a, a big thing for Barnsley to get into the top six of the the table. And again, Wendy, you can't like he's he's just a baller. There's 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 no other way to say it. He's he's incredible, and he's too he's probably too good for this league as well. I was going to say, there's not a chance he should have been a championship player this year. Even at the start of the season, there was talks talks from Arsenal and Liverpool about signing him. Same with Ismail Assar. And these are the players yeah. that we've competed with. And, well, we beat Norwich as well, didn't we? And we beat Watford. And we yeah. snuffed out those sort of players. So that's credit to us. But, yeah, with Dewsbury Hall, he's obviously such an incredible player. But I think for him to be included, we would have had to have either pushed for the playoffs or made the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. I think that's one of the problems with this that I think everyone finds with the team of the season is most of the time it's players that have played in a team that have pushed for promotion that usually get in there. But at the same time, when we were when we, we won League One, we were upset that there were not more Luton players in the League One team of the season. So it's... 
or even like in the EFL team this season. But yeah, it's uh, I I would love would have loved to have, for him to have been in there. But at the same time, I can't you can't discredit the the performances that ever, all the other players have put in. I think it would it would have been hard to find room for him. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair enough. And we'll move on to what will probably be Dewsbury Hall's last game in a Luton Town shirt. And it is QPR. And I think we would have all loved to have been going down to West London for for the occasion because sort of a May day. Well, I say that it's it, end of the season is usually nice weather, but the weather we've been getting recently, it probably been a, been pissing it down the whole day. But Honestly, QPR... <laughs> If we could have had that away game with full capacity, I was going to host a, a loot and party at my house because it's it's only a ten minute bus ride from QPR State. Like I think QPR is the closest like uh, professional football ground to where I'm staying for uni, and you know I could have just held a you know end of the season party at my house, which would have been brilliant. So I just travelled fifteen minutes just down the road to uh, go to an away game. And even the are made of. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's just so upsetting that I'm living so close. And I was thinking when I moved in, oh, QPR at the end of the season, there's going to be full capacity. Away fans will be, you know, the first time away fans are probably back in and all that. And it's going to be a brilliant day. And then I've got to sit there and watch it at home on TV. And with QPR, they've been quite similar to us this season, that they've never been in any immediate danger of relegation. But... They've had a very good 2021 to consolidate a top half finish. And I think they can finish as high as eighth. I think they can go above Cardiff with a win. So again, a good enough season for them. Some people have been sort of doubting Mark Warburton and doubting QPR really. saying they're sort of dark horses at the season for getting relegated. So it's been a it's been a good enough season for them. They're a good football inside under a progressive manager. I don't think there's many shocks that they've sort of finished in this mid-table region. I mean, I'm shocked. I, I would have said they would have been a bottom half team before before January anyway, because they were in horrible form. They didn't look like winning most games. They beat us and then that's when they turned it around, which was typical. And obviously Charlie Austin as well was you know, the bloody idiot that he is. I don't actually, I don't actually hate him, but it just, it just pisses me off that he he scored, and I was so confident because so I've got, I've got quite a few people that I know that are QPR fans, and I was just saying, nah, he's not scoring, he's not scoring. Don't worry, he's not going to score, and then he does. So that was quite annoying, but I, I, I'm surprised that they finished as high as they have done because the way that QPR fans have spoke about um, Warburton, it's. It's mental how, I mean, mental to me, because I've I've heard from people that watch them week in, week out, have said that he's not the right man for the club. The team is horrible. Everything about the squad and the club is horrible at the moment, apart from the fact that they've got a, a nicely named stadium after, a cha- you know, the Key and Prince Foundation thing, which is, I, I rate so highly. Um, from hearing all that, I would have never expected them to have finished where they are because it seemed the problem for QPR for the majority well for the biggest part of the campaign was that they had Lyndon Dykes up top who just wasn't scoring they were creating so many opportunities they were playing good football but 
scoring goals was the problem. And then Charlie Austin's come in and he's, well, Lyndon Dykes has benefited massively off him. I don't know how many goals he scored since, but I know it's been a dramatic improvement from his, well, from him and from QPR in general. Yeah, and I think this is this is sort of the point that I was trying to make earlier about the the strikers that are, you know, kind of a good factor in knowing whether a team's going to stay up or not. If you've got strikers that can score and are pushed to score by, you know, other strikers like to try and keep them out of the team, you've got a good thing in your hands and you're probably going to be safe. And that's that's what's happened to keep yard. Obviously, Dyke didn't have, or Dykes didn't have um, too much, too much competition, and then. Charlie Austin's coming in, give him in the competition and kick up the butt that he needs. And he's he's gone on and become, you know, a good goal scorer again. Yeah, and we'll, for the final time this season, Stephen, it's that time we'll uh, get our score predictions in. What are you going for this one? 5 0, we're going to finish above them. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said wow. 5 0 um, on the predictor for the uh, Rotherham game. I'm going 5 0 this time again. <laughs> I'd love it. I would really love it. But I, I did see a stat the other day that we haven't beaten a team that's seventh to twelfth this season. So, but it's the end of the season. Form that's goes out the window. A, um, that to me is such a stupid stat because, like, obviously at the time of them being seventh to twelfth, we haven't beaten them. But there's, there are teams that have have been there at below that yeah. or yeah. gone above above that, which we you know. Yeah, so that's one of those silly stats that are like it's just they're just people just you know saying it for the sakes of it where it doesn't actually mean too much. But you know what? There's no reason why we can't break the hoodoo. We did it against Sheffield Wednesday. We did it against Bristol. We did it as Wickham. Like all these goal scoring and not beating teams in this part of the table and all that. And why can't we do it now? And it has been a season of that, hasn't it? So I, I think I'm going to go for. A 2-0 victory. Two, I think we're going to return the favour over them and we're going to win 2-0. Harry Cornick again, he's going to score another one and he's just going to bring that into next season. And it's going Actually, to I'm be... going to take my prediction, 6-6. 6-6. Six, six. <laughs> six, six. Colo, Colo, Colo Adebayo and Cornick to score like two goals each. Charlie Austin and Lyndon Dykes to score like three goals each. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm joking. I'm a more realistic thing. I'm just going to say like a boring, a boring nil-nil or one-one. <laughs> one of those two. It's going to be just a boring draw. That's how I see it. Yeah, well, I know last night was enough. an entertaining draw, but I found it boring. Not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. But on that note, yeah, we'll we'll finish the podcast here. We've obviously got one more to come, which will be reviewing the QPR game. But a big thank you to all the listeners and a big thank you also to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.